answer me? Second, or will he answer Jesus first? He looks at me through Christ. Glory to God. It's indeed a great day to be alive. Uh, this is Yang Kuchiang. And this is Life Extraordinary. Thank you for letting me come into your space wherever you are. Uh, I'm so glad that we're able to connect. And uh, I'd like to invite you, please, to uh, help us, you know, indulge us. Help us in sharing this uh, material, sharing this message. If you're blessed by it, share it to different ones. Uh, we've been getting some serious testimonies and people telling us about how they've been blessed. Keep this going in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I also want to also inform us, we have our website up and running, and our website is www.faithimpactmins.org. Faithimpactmins.org. All one word, you know, typically the way a website is. Hallelujah. And so we will be picking up from where we left off the last time, uh, and we were teaching on the theme, you know, in critical moments. We do have those critical moments, times of emergency, times of challenges. You know, we don't have the luxury of uh, situations or things happening to us or circumstances coming our way of having advance notice necessarily. Life just happens. Things show up. Could be about a child, you know, ourselves, our job. Things do happen. But you know, one thing we can rest assured about, uh, we can rest assured about is that God is not taken on our ways. And when God tells us, do not fret, not be afraid, you know, take no thought, don't worry. He has already seen your life, our whole, our whole lives. He's seen everything. And he's seen all of it and told you, come back to tell you and I today, do not fear. Don't have anxiety about anything. And so we will do ourselves a great deal of good in just taking God's word for what he says. There is no circumstance, nothing that would ever happen to you or could ever happen to you that deserves you being scared, being afraid, being fearful and anxious, nothing like that. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? You see, whatever situation or problems you will ever have, Jesus has gone ahead of you and taken care of all of those. Amen. So we'll pick up the story here once again. And this is the story of the centurion servant. And right here in Matthew 8, I'm going to begin reading here from verse 5. Matthew 8 from verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. You know, I love that about the Lord Jesus. You don't ever find anywhere where somebody comes to him for Jesus and uh, comes to him for healing, excuse me. And he says to them, well, I'm, I'm not in a good mood. Nothing like that. Or it's not my will to heal you. Oh, my goodness. If you had just come just a few minutes before. I've just run out of power. Nothing like that. You get the same response every time. So willing, so ready to heal. So he said, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word that my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now let's also pick up uh, Luke's account of the same uh, story of the uh, healing of the centurion's servant. And Luke has it a little bit different as we found out from the last time. From verse 1, now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And, uh, and a certain centurion servant was, who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So we saw from Matthew's account, told us he was dreadfully tormented. Now the, right here we're told he was at the point of death. So a bit more specific. This guy has been sick, so sick to the point of death. And so if he gets any sicker, he'll die. That's a critical, real critical moment right there. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him. Did you hear that? He heard about Jesus and immediately sent elders. What would he have heard about Jesus? There must have been this, something he heard about Jesus that gave him the confidence and assurance to send the elders to go bring Jesus. You know, we see that uh, in uh, Luke's account, we are told here he sent elders. In Matthew's account, we are told he went there himself. So, which is correct. Of course, we saw from the last time, the real way it happened was that he sent the elders, but Matthew had it recorded that he came himself. And so we see that when we go in another's name or in another's authority, that is tantamount to us going. Just like the Lord has sent you and I. When the Lord has sent us today to go in his name, when we speak the word or give the word a command, it's like Jesus spoke it. Hallelujah. And that is so pertinent to this miracle that we're, miracle of healing right here. Because when we speak in the name of Jesus, it's really no longer Aang speaking or you speaking. It's the voice of Jesus that is going forth. That is so powerful. And that's what the Holy Ghost is trying to convey to us in having this account or this testimony written like this. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when, he, and when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Yeah, of course, they met Jesus. Jesus was ministering, doing what he was doing, and they pleaded with him, Master, come. And Master was already headed. Master already had what he was going to do. You know, one thing that would always fascinate me about the ministry of Jesus, you will see him heading somewhere, then somebody comes to him and petitions him, comes with their faith, and Jesus goes with that person. You see, thank God for needs, but really what we see directing the ministry of Jesus isn't so much the needs of the people. The needs are important, quite all right. But he goes by the leading of the Spirit, and he goes where people exercise faith. You know, Smith Wigglesworth made a statement and said, there's something about believing God that will cause God to move or go over a thousand people to get to that one that is believing. Look at this centurion. And the beautiful thing about it is that he's not even of the commonwealth of Israel. He's not, he does not have a covenant because he's a Gentile. He is. And he's a highly placed person in the society, yet 
he humbles himself before the Lord Jesus, acknowledges who Jesus is. You know, the Bible says before honor is humility. Yes, and that humble heart, Bible says God gives grace to the humble. And this man, you know, under Roman authority, could have seen himself as, listen, I'm above all of these uh, Jews. And beside, you know, Jesus is just seen over there just like one of the prophets, like Elijah, you know, Jeremiah, or Isaiah. But he saw something. He sent for the master. And when the begged him and said he should do this for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. See, like we pointed out last time, it wasn't the centurion coming to Jesus and saying, uh, Master, don't forget, I did build a synagogue or a church building for these people. So come do this for me. No. The people who were blessed by the works that he'd done, listen, he didn't have to do it. He was a Gentile. He was not of the covenant or commonwealth of Israel. He didn't have to do any of that. But recognizing these people to be a people of God or God had a hand in them, he blessed them. And Jesus, when he was told, when Jesus was told, this man has built us a synagogue, like saying he built us a church building. Jesus went with him. Jesus did not argue. You see, one thing the word of God tells us that our good works will follow us or our works will follow us. Thank God. Our good works will follow us. They came, you know, we said it last time, leave, let's live your life in such a way that if People have to plead your case. People have to pray for you that you will have a good case. You can see the centurion has a good case. And as you come to see it, the servant himself who was at the point of death was healed on the account of the master's faith, the centurion's faith. Because the master, God saw it. This centurion, God was going to bless this centurion. And this servant has been so dear to him so he could continue to be a blessing. And of course, saw how it would affect him since the centurion really treasured and loved this uh, servant. So he says, we're told here, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. And when it was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. Think about it. For I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof. See, that's humility. In terms of being worthy, none of us are worthy in ourselves. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that has made us worthy. His blood, what he did for us on the cross, is what has made us worthy. He says, therefore, I did not think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Well, King James says, speak the word only. Speak the word only. Give the command. You see, speaking that word will cause the miracle to happen. And we see here what the Holy Ghost really had. Matthew writes his own account the way he wrote it. And then Luke, on the other hand, wrote his account the way he had it written. Or the way he wrote it. So listen. Therefore I did not think myself ways to come to you, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. So he, a centurion, is under the Roman authority. So when he speaks to his servants under him, they have to do it because of the authority that backs him up. Same thing. See, that's why we see when those elders, Jewish elders, went, taking the requests of the centurion to the master, it was like the centurion came himself. Hallelujah. The powerful thing about this is that 
The centurion said, speak the word only. Now let that sink in. Do you realize the power of the spoken word of God? We're not talking about the word of a man. The word of God. God's word created the universe. God's word created everything you and I can feel, touch, and see today. That word is still powerful. When we put the word of God in our mouths and speak that word to our situation, our circumstances, our bodies, it can change it, create some things, and kill some things, kill sickness and disease. You know, Job said, how powerful are right words? Uh, Job 6.25. Powerful words. God's word is powerful. Hallelujah. When we put God's words in our mouth, the mouth of a living spirit, even of a human, it comes out as God's word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, there was a time the Lord spoke to Moses and says, speak the word. Don't hit the rock. Speak to it. And the centurion said, I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. Why? So wait, how, what makes soldiers to behave the, 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 the instruction or command of the commander? Because they didn't just see the person speaking. There's authority that backs that person. The authority of the military. The authority of the government. And so when we say in the name of Jesus, the devil has no choice but to believe. And the devil has no choice but to obey. He will obey. It doesn't matter whether he likes it or not. In fact, he's afraid of us. He will do what we say. You know, it just makes me remember the story of uh, a mother and her two boys. And of course, you know how at times, you know, we're all familiar with discipline issues in the home. And so the mother was speaking to the younger son, telling him to do something. The younger son had an attitude like he was not going to do it. And the older brother was right there. And he said to mom, no, 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 no. Just give him the instruction and you walk away. He will do it. <laughs> Isn't that a revelation? That's truth. The other boy, of course, knows. He said, just give him the instruction and you walk away. He will do it. That's something we should bear in mind, even when dealing with the devil. Speak the word and the devil will obey. The devil cannot resist because the power of Jesus that defeated him on the cross and rendered him useless, rendered him nothing, caused him to come to naught. That's what backs what we speak. You know, Ephesians 1 says, uh, 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 right there in, uh, as we pray, you know, Paul's prayers, uh, uh, tells us that um, far above all principality and power and dominion, every name, and he says, to everyone who believes. In other words, God's, that resurrection power is revealed or released to everyone who believes. So when you and I believe God's word and we speak it, see, believing has nothing to do with your head. It has nothing to do with your, with your head or your reasoning. When we speak that word because we believe, the enemy has no choice but to obey. Why? Because Jesus and his power, Jesus and his power, Jesus is right there to enforce exactly what we speak, to cause what we speak to happen. Listen to it here. See something so powerful here. We'll see here 
and uh, verse uh, 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled, said, wow. Marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him. See, because the others came and gave the request of the centurion. The, the crowd heard about it. And Jesus said, wow. Oh, shouldn't we give Jesus good cause to marvel? Jesus marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Isn't that something? This fellow was not of the covenant of promise. Look at what Jesus calls great faith. Hallelujah. You know, when we look through the scriptures, we see two instances that Jesus made reference to great faith. And the two instances had to do with people who are Gentiles. The centurion and then the Syrophoenician woman. I think that's in, in Matthew 15. That woman would not give up. Will not take no for an answer. And right here, speak the word only. Now I'm going to say something here. There is this area of exercising authority over the devil. If you've never done it before, even if you've done it before, this is one area the enemy will resist you like any, like nothing else. But you stand your ground. Listen, the way we battle or do a fight of faith is not by physical activities or throwing ourselves all over the place. It's after we've spoken with the word, we stand. We stand our ground. That's it. You stand your ground and refuse to give in. You And what do you mean to refuse to give in? You don't change your confession. You stand your ground. You see, you already possessed it inside. Whatever you want. Just like the centurion. Once he sent the elders, he knew it and said, tell him to speak the word. Tell the masters to speak the word only. My servant will be healed. So that's somebody who's already received what they desired internally. They received it inside first. Inside them first. That's exactly what believing is. And look at what Jesus said. We're told Jesus marveled. And what did Jesus marvel about? He said, I've not seen this kind of faith before. No, not in Israel. He said, and Matthew said, see, you, many of you covenant, uh, children of, of, the, of the covenant of promise, you will lose out completely and be gnashing teeth in the region of damnation. And God will bring in those who are not of the promise, Gentiles, even by faith. And they'll sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, faith pleases God so much. Why? Because faith upholds the truth and integrity of God's word. Hallelujah. It stands with the truth and integrity of God's word. And the beautiful thing about it is, was that Jesus said, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house and found the master and found the servant well who had been sick. So we go back to Matthew I love something here so beautiful that I, I see here. You know, Jesus never turned around to speak to the servant and said, Be healed. No. What did he say? Listen, I surely I say to you, verse 10, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, men will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the kingdom of heaven, and the sons of the kingdom will cast into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed. So let it be done for you. In fact, one of the things that really would marvel, marvel me at the royalty of the, of the faith of the Lord Jesus. He didn't turn around and say, Servant, be healed. He just said, Go your way. Did you see the despair? Patch with Jesus would deal with so-called big problems that we have in these critical moments. See, because our problems will be big to us, but it's not big to the Lord at all. It's not. If you will believe, and we are believers, what should believers do? Believers should believe the way fish swim and dogs back. It should be so natural with us to believe. Yes, our head tries to give us a problem, but just because your head is doubting or trying to pull you away doesn't mean you cannot believe or you're not believing. Believing is of the heart. Hallelujah. And the beautiful thing that this story teaches us, Jesus did not turn around directly to address the situation. He just said to the servant, go your way. He said to the elders, go your way. As you believed, so be it unto you. And they took the word back to the centurion. Of course, when they got back, they saw the young man well. Hallelujah. So the beautiful thing about it was that Jesus was not physically present where healing took place. That's to tell you the power of spoken words and the power of faith to accomplish what is spoken. See, that speaks to the, the, this time that you and I live in. Because Jesus is not here physically. But when we speak the, his word and speak in his name, it's as though he's there to do the miracle. Isn't that powerful, dear friend? In critical moments, what are you going to do? Speak the word only. Stand your ground. Rebuke the enemy. See, there, thank God for prayers and there are places we need to pray, but there are times we need to speak. And in this situation, Jesus is proving to us that speaking is powerful. Hallelujah. See, that's one area many Christians have not begun to tap into. The aspect of speaking. Speak the word. And the Lord, the Lord has been ministering to me, if you begin to take seriously your speaking, it, could, it will cut down in a, lot of, in a lot of frivolous conversations that we have. Because those things dampen the ability of our faith power. Praise the name of the Lord. I trust you've been blessed by what we've shared. Speak the word only in those critical moments and you'll see the glory of God. Hey, share, so share your testimonies with us. We'd love to hear it. Thank God. Go to our website, www.faithimpactmins.org www.faithimpactmins.org God bless you. Till next time, keep on keeping on. It's really indeed a great day to be alive. Blessings. Blessings.